0: All right. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stories of Selling Human podcast. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, business, personal, that requires you to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen and understood. But the people who get our attention and convince, persuade or influence us are not just salespeople they are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to. I'm going to share their stories here so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately, we'll all become better at selling by being human. Gang, this is uh, our first repeat guest. If you're you're with me for, from the beginning, you probably remember Jack Wilson from uh, the uh, the uh, episode three. This guy is a senior director of enterprise sales at Seismic. He's a guy with Ikigai. He's uh, been a coach with the Sales Rebellion for for some time now and just a true friend. He also uh, a a huge change since the beginning. He's now a father of two uh, beautiful children. Please welcome none other than Jack Wilson back to the podcast. Welcome, Jack.
1: (laughs) I get so fired up when you do your introduction that is one thing that hasn't changed since the first time i'm excited to to be here and talking to you man
0: yeah and we're, we're making this work uh jack is in his uh car studio today we're gonna be <laughs> you know being being real vulnerable but he sounds good to me so we're gonna we're gonna get this thing it's going like, it's like uh is that seinfeld who
1: does like the driving in cars with comedians
0: yeah. <laughs> oh that's we may have launched a side gig, you know, driving in cars with <laughs> salespeople um, might, be, might be fun. Well, let's ask a fun question. Like just uh, I'm, I'm asking, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you this uh, in the, the first uh, meeting uh, that we had. So now I'm asking every guest, uh, Jack, when I say the term to you, sell by being human, what does that mean for you today uh, in, in what you do now?
1: Man, it, there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind when you say it, but ultimately what I think about is what does it really mean to be human and to be human, it it goes back to like our early days of, of homo sapien, you know, how do you create a, a village? How do you connect with people that have similar interests to secure each other, to provide a better future, to care for one another? And you know, now we've just evolved to the point where we're doing that with products and services and we're doing it over a wide swath of humanity, not just like the small little village that we live in. So you know, to be human, it's to connect with people. It's to genuinely care about what they're looking to get out of life, out of their situation. And if you have the ability or even just ideas to help them get there, then you've got a responsibility to, to help them do that. And that's, to me sales being human
0: yeah you know it's it's so funny we we, think it, so well put because I, I think uh, a lot of times like we're not thinking of like again like we we all have these just primal needs like you know and and we all uh, have these um you know just like like just wants and just emotions and like and if you're if you're making it like the word you used responsibility, uh, really, you're put in that situation and you're responsible to help them somehow, you know, kind of uh, like wrestle with a problem or um, in your case, like help people get the most out of themselves as a coach and to, you know, realize their full potential and to, you know, kind of find something that they didn't realize was there before meeting with you. It's almost like you're, you know, again, like your our first uh, discussion was all about your intentions and like what you're really seeking to do in sales. And when your intention is to, to, to truly help someone else get more of what they want and to, for someone else to uh, realize, uh, you know, kind of their own uh, needs uh, or, you know, kind of like realize a different perspective about, um, you know, what they're wrestling with. Like that's completely taking yourself out of the equation and really serving that, that other person. So I think it's, uh, you know, well, how you how you kind of frame that as a responsibility that we all have you know, as a salesperson.
1: I think that word too is important because the, the way you define things, I think sometimes people think, you know, it's just words. It's just the dialect that we use. But the words that you consistently repeat to yourself in your head and out loud, they have an impact on you. They change your behaviors. They change your thought patterns. So like a lot of people think of sales as persuasion or convincing and, and, you know, closing. And But if you think of it as responsibility, like, if you just pause for a moment and think, what does the word responsibility mean to me? It, it doesn't just mean like, yeah, it's my job and I have a task to achieve, but there's a certain way you go about doing something that you're responsible for. You even have like the adjective of like doing it responsibly. So looking at sales as a responsibility to me is one way to help like keep me honest and to keep me human and to not live up to those stereotypes that sales has had first for so many years.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about like maybe what what you've learned in the last 2 years because now like one of your responsibilities is is really caring for uh you know someone, you know, two of these beings that you brought into this world and um you know, I'm not a father and for all those parents out there like you can maybe think of like it's easy to be responsible, or you know, I think it's much easier responsible for your your own family, your own children, people that you're you're supposed to by nature, um, or even just you know, like you, you have this like you this blood connection with. Um, so, what have you learned, Jack, in this last two years about you know responsibility that maybe you know, and what have you learned maybe as a, a, a as a not just a father, but like as, you know, what you do on a day-to-day in sales, what have you kind of learned over the last two years you think um, that's helped you in, in what you do every <laughs> Man, day?
1: We, we don't have nearly <laughs> enough time. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's it's funny, if, if anyone knows me like you do, then they know like I will turn anything into an analogy for sales because that's <laughs> just like who I am. But parenting, like so literally has hundreds of of kind of tiebacks to sales but like also sales tiebacks to parenting and like the first thing that came to mind is but you always have to have a plan and in sales you always have a plan you know you account map figure out what your prospecting plan is going to be You look at your buyer's journey and you you map out all of the next steps to get to where you ultimately want to be which is a which is a one opportunity. And what happens is the second you start executing on that plan, reality changes everything. And it told you that your your plan has just got to get crumpled up, thrown out the window, and readjusted on the fly. And that's that's parenting, man. And you know, like you have to have a plan and you you definitely have to have an idea of what you want a day to look like an afternoon to look like, but like, once you get into it, like you just got to let life happen and and adjust on the fly according to the situation on the ground. Uh, that's, that's probably the, the biggest lesson. I think, I think another thing is I I'm really focused on mindfulness and being more mindful and, and being more patient was one of my things before I had my first son. I'm not a patient person. I get, I get sort of like, not irritated, but I, I just get like, okay, I I got to make this happen, right? I get I get antsy and I get really impatient. And if things don't go my way, I tend to double down my efforts on trying to, to fix it or to get it done. And before having my first son, I knew like, hey, that is just not the type of characteristic that's that's going to serve me well as a parent or that I wanted to have as a parent. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I did a lot of work with like mindfulness to try to like, to be prepared for that and to try to be more patient and like none of that worked. Cause you know, once reality happens, like you, you get hit in the face with all the stressors of the situation, but going through the process of saying, I want to be patient. I want to figure out how to be more patient. I want to be present, just knowing that that's what I wanted and putting it out there in the moments where I saw myself like, Oh man, this is tough. Or, Oh man, like, I need a break or like, how am I going to handle this? Like I was able to, to reflect in the moment and say, Hey, remember you wanted to be so patient, like take now, now is the time for you to do that. So that's been something I've, I focused on and now having two kids, like two under two, our, uh, our newest son is uh, a month old tomorrow. Wow. Uh, that's, that's actually been easier. And I think every, every person who's been through having like more than one kid probably knows that, the second one is is well all things considered you know no outlandish circumstances involved the the second kid is relatively easier so to speak you there's no anxiety fear and unknown that you went through for the first time and you're definitely way more present for the second so yeah
0: You know, I think, wow. I mean, it's like, you probably uh, can think of like any parent, like can think of those times where they've like, they're, they've lost their patience on, on (laughs) children. Maybe like you've had a day where everything on the ground just kind of compiles and it affects like how you are and, you know, sometimes, and then, you know, you only get a chance to catch yourself maybe when you just see like this, you know, just realize that this is just, you know, the, 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 the the child doesn't really know what they're doing half the time. They don't know why they're crying. It just is, you know, it, it just is. And you, you love the, the, that little, (laughs) that little guy, like uh, despite like any of the stressors, like they're not bigger than like the, the uh, you know, just the love that you have for them. And like, um, and they're innocent. Like they don't, they, you know, it's not, their fault necessarily, but you know it's. it's you know what the truth to, is. To know in the moment, you know right.
1: The, being being the guy with ikigai, uh, the the truth is, almost every single time as a parent, you get stressed out. It's because there's something you want different, and you're focused on that. And it this is actually a, a thought that comes from Buddhism, right? So, like in in Buddhism, they they think the root of all suffering is want. So when you want something and you don't get it, that gap, that dissonance is what causes suffering. So they think the best way to not suffer is to not want things. Well, if you think it, when you're in a parental situation and you know, you're know you trying to get your kid to do something else, you're trying to stay on a schedule or you want them to stop fussing, it's always something you want. And what I've actually tried to do in those situations, you like, man, why am I stressed? It, is there something I want? that's causing me to be stressed out instead of me focusing on what he wants and needs right now. And like being able to, to make that pivot in the moment has been like big for me to realize like, Oh shoot, I am a little tired. I want to sit down for a second. I I don't want to have to hover behind him while he's climbing things, trying to hurt himself. Uh, (laughs) That's why I'm, I'm getting stressed out, but he wants to be curious. He wants to explore his surroundings. He wants to push his limits and, and figure out what he can and can't do with his new little body. So like, forget what I want. Just do it. Be here. Like, let them do it. Let them have fun. Let them learn and grow.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's like, yeah, in, in that, like, you're like, it's, yeah, you're, you're taking your wants out of it. Cause we all have them, you know, it's so hard to kind of detach from them, but it's like, you know, Hey, when you can see those, those, like you can see those wants of the other person and you're there to help develop them. You know, you're, you're really help uh, there to help, help kind of like, um, you know, develop and frame what, what someone's wants are. It's, um, I'm, I'm sure really powerful for you. It kind of teaches you kind of like to, um, it it kind of informs like your actions in in a way, maybe you're like, hey, you should do it. Like, I, I think I saw like a post that you made, like oh no, you should be doing it this way. But in reality, they're just trying to like, like you know, grow into the world. They're just trying to like, they're just so curious about the world. So like, far be it from you to like say this is how it should be done. It's like, you know, maybe you could teach me about how you think it should be done because like their minds are just still growing, right? You
1: don't want to like, yeah. The, the post them. was about bubbles. So yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah, we yeah. were yeah. in we were in the driveway. And he's so excited about bubbles. Like he's, he's only got like 20 to 30 like words. Cause he's my oldest Jackson is uh, 19 months old. So one of his like phrases is big bubbles. So he'll say big, big bubbles. And he gets all excited. So I bring him out to the driveway with a bunch of bubbles. I blow some bubbles, really big bubbles. He gets excited. And then he wants to grab the wand and do it himself. Well, he just dips the wand in and then waves it in the air and no bubbles comes out. And after three or four times, I got frustrated. I said, hey, let me blow you a bubble. And then he immediately pulls the wand away and is like, no. And he gets upset. Now I'm upset because I want to blow a big bubble. He's upset because he just wants to blow the bubbles. And I realized it's not about blowing a bubble. He just wants to do the thing. He just wants to have it in his hand. He's experiencing the moment. Who cares how good the bubble is? Just enjoy it. And like I think we do that a lot in in a lot of scenarios. I mean, look, we're talking about sales and being human, right? The sentence you just said about, you know, everyone has wants. And when you have a gap between what you want and they want, you have friction. Man, isn't that just sales? You know, mm-hmm. isn't that mm-hmm. I have a I have a sales process and you have a buyer's journey. And how many sellers, no matter how buyer-centric they say they are, try to cram their buyer into their Mm -hmm. sales process Mm -hmm. instead of learning Mm -hmm. the buyer's journey and then helping them walk down that path. And you're not giving up anything. You're not, I know there's all these trainings about like, you have to respectfully keep control. You have to take Mm -hmm. power. And none of that actually applies if you want to help people accomplish their goals. And if you want someone to do what you want faster, help them get what they want first. So, and and that's the same as, as parenting as it goes with sales, especially on larger enterprise opportunities when there's a lot more stakeholders involved across different functions within an organization.
0: Yeah I feel like if you come across as someone who cares about how they want to do things, like you could still get what uh, your process is in the end. Um, but at least if if the person feels like okay, you at least heard you at least, you you want to work with them. You you understand why it's important for them to 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 go down their process. So you're willing to like cede your power, I guess you could say, or your control um, to to them. You know, like you're you're putting them in control. Then and and saying, hey, like listen, I'm 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 you know you know walk me through like what your process is typically. Do you have a process? What is what what is it that you you, you want to see have happen here? What's um, like, what are the people that you need to get involved in this, and on your end to, to make something like this happen? Instead of like, hey, here's what I typically see. Here's what are the steps that I, I like. I see people go down. Instead of like saying, well, you know, I don't care what typically insert whatever. What typically happens? I care what I want to have happen. So it's like you you tell me how you want you 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 get these things done. You tell me how you see this uh, proceeding. And then let's see if I can, uh, if, 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 if I have any insights into that, or if I can align with that, great. Like it's my job to, to really, you know, help, help uh, you get what you want here and and go down the road that you need to go down. Um, I can, I can give you some, some tips on what I've seen, certainly. um, But the number one thing is, is, you know, how you want to see this go and, and what you, you need to have happen. And let's, let's start there first, rather than me, like tell you what you need to, have happen first. You know, I care about what-
1: You know what variable what I think changes that the most too for, for sellers and for sales organizations? I think it's time. I think the 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 narrative that companies put on timing and I understand why, right? You've got a forecast, you've got numbers to hit. If you're public, you've got to report to the street. But if, if companies were just wise enough to expand their expectations on how much time things actually took, there would be so much less stress in that process because I I was just witnessing a cycle myself where I realized we perceived the buyer to be throwing us a bunch of roadblocks. There was a certain way that they went about wanting to purchase. They wanted to do different pilot periods there. They basically had a checklist of this is how we buy stuff. This is how we evaluate stuff. And we came at that problem by saying, well, we're going to have to skip this part and we're going to have to skip this part. We're going to have to get around that if we want to get this deal done by X arbitrary date. Now, in reality, we both want the same thing. They want to buy the software. We want to sell them the software. The thing that's different is we want it to happen on a different time frame than they're comfortable with. And that causes a whole bunch of friction. And now us as a seller, we jump through hoops. We pull different levers. You know, we we get other people involved to try to accelerate an opportunity. But is that really like necessary stress on a situation? And I think I think a lot of sales leaders are going to listen to that and be like, "You you don't like pressure. You don't like stress. Sales isn't for you." But I, I just think that's the environment that we've created for ourselves unnecessarily.
0: Yeah. And I know
1: that time kills all deals, so to speak. <laughs> but I, I don't necessarily think that all pressure is necessary pressure in these opportunities.
0: Ooh, that's not, yeah, no, I mean, it's like, well, first of all, like when, when people get pressure, we tend to kind of like recoil from that, but it's like, yeah, sometimes we manufacture uh, like when pressure is needed, or we think we know what's going on on the other side, but we don't really like, it's just from our perspective and vantage point and not the clients. Um you know, I, I, I guess, um, you know, when, when you think about, um, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, in terms of like what, you, you know, people can be doing, um, yeah. What, what advice would you give? Like just briefly, quickly, like the next time someone feels like they they need to insert pressure into a deal. Um, uh, what, what, what checklist should they be going after to, to see if it's real or not?
1: Well, I like, I like just having like real hard conversations with, with my own team first, because the, the stakes when you're dealing with your own team are a little bit lower, right? Because you should be able to give each other grace to push hard on each other and to, to throw ideas against the board, to be able to be wrong, to, to disagree with people and then come away still as a team. So internally it's almost just like running discovery, You know, and and I like to ask, sometimes I think people probably think I'm that annoying guy that asks the questions for, for no reason. But like, I like to know, like, hey, what is the net gain by doing it this way? You know, so if we add this pressure and if we run this play and we do this over here, what's the net plus? And, you know, what do we potentially lose if we don't do that? Or what could be the potential negative impact of running this play? Like, let's game it out. Game it out. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I mean, you've got to run. You've got to run through the different scenarios that could potentially be the outcome of running a particular play or offering a particular incentive. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times organizations leave a lot of money on the table because when you want to create a sense of urgency, like when you don't have a well-defined, compelling event that you can quantify the cost of, of inaction and you're otherwise still trying to drive urgency, it always costs you something. you know. Typically, you've got to give a, a discount or some other incentive to get people to move. And I think if we were just patient mm-hmm. on our own timelines, we'd actually mm-hmm. gather, we'd, we'd grab more revenue. So I think when you game out the scenario, you think, hey, look, if we if we ran this play, what's the net plus versus if we didn't do it, how does it negatively impact the deal if we don't run that play and just kind of, you know, game it out with your internal partners to figure out like, are we, are we just doing this to do it? Cause it makes us as sellers feel like we're, we're pushing hard enough to get the opportunity or does it actually make sense? And on the other side of that, I don't think there's any reason that we have to keep these things a secret from our buyer. You know, a lot of times we, we develop champions, influencers, and really close relationships at our potential customers, and we don't leverage them the right way. Like a real relationship means I can be honest with you, I can be vulnerable with you. So, and if you've got somebody that is your champion, they're not in the procurement department. And if somebody has a champion in procurement, good for you. That is like where it's at. <laughs> but, but but typically those people are are separate for a reason because like they let procurement be the bad guy. Well, if your champion wants to buy, and you all have agreed on what the value is. You can tell them, hey, we're thinking about doing X, Y, Z. Does this help or hurt us? Let's be honest here. We obviously have timeframes that are a little bit different than yours. We're We're not naive to it, but let me explain to you why. Here's what it means to us. So is there a way that we can mutually benefit each other here and accelerate the opportunity? So I think gaming it out with your internal team, being super transparent with your buyer as much as possible all to come to a mutually beneficial decision is, is the best way to go about it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, you're making me think of a couple of things that I'm dealing with myself and um, you know, they, they're, you know, end of quarter. So I think everyone is, is probably like, you know, really kind of uh, in that, in that mode on both sides, like procurement's kind of you know, uh, playing a game of chicken with sales reps and sales reps are, you know, kind of uh, they're, they're, on pins and needles with, with, uh, with, with people that are, you know, kind of, uh, holding to to contracts or negotiating and, and kind of wondering what to do next with their, with their next steps. And so, yeah, no, but I think like, you know, it's, it's true, like to go back to even the beginning, like, you know, being patient, a lot of times things happen on the other side, you just don't know what's happening on the other side. So the more that you can be, transparent and, and say hey here's what i'm up against on this side you know people start you know kind of realizing hey again we're two humans trying to get things done we both have different wants um you know i'm uh I, i'm dealing with the person that um you know is is just being straight with me they're being a straight shooter they're telling me hey here's you know, here's, here's what's going on on my side. Um, You know, I want to know as much as I can of what's going on on your side. So again, we can come into this mutual agreement together using your uh, champions in that way. I think you're, you're so, so good because it's like, Hey, like, listen, like there's some things that matter to us. I'm sure that there's some things that matter to your side, like, you know, how, like, what are, what are some ideas that you have on how we can, you know, reach an agreement together? What, what things like, what, what advice would you have? I think people always want to be consulted. They want to know that, you know, they, they matter and that they have an opinion. So a lot of times we're, we, we just, uh, we manufacture a lot <laughs> in our minds about what's happening when, when, when radio silence happens or when things are at high stakes and, and, You know where you know people around us obviously uh, need need you need revenue to close and and things to happen. Uh, We start uh, you know we 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 start like kind of even even getting more aggressive when in reality a lot of times like it's even more stressful on the other side um, you know for things to happen because again like well and you talk about like to
1: go close yeah yeah you talk about the the human aspect of that and how like you never know what's going on their side you also need really never know the the relationships unless you dig like real deep and when you know first handful of of calls with someone they're not going to tell you that you know they've they've got a a bitter internal rivalry with xyz from the marketing department you know they people don't tend to share that kind of stuff openly right because it's not you know befitting of a professional but like you get deep into an opportunity, you you know, you take someone out to dinner, you talk about your family and you share like real stuff. And then you start to really develop bonds with people where they're like, Hey, let me give you the scoop on, you know, this person over here and why these people, you know, do things this way. And when you look at the, the relationships inside, especially like an enterprise company, I think we think of it as like, here's the lines, right? Like your team's on this side, the other team's on that side. And there's like a hard divider. But it looks more like a political, like district map. Like it's like <laughs> gerrymandering the relationships within your accounts. And you can go and you can carve out some allies over here. And then you've got to realize that there's a strong cohort of people that are outside of that particular district over here. And the more you can really understand that, the interpersonal dynamics between an organization, the, the better off you're going to position yourself.
0: Yeah. I do also like, to, you know, how you, you you put it like a net plus because there's some things that like, hey, they might you might help one person, but in the overall scheme of things, maybe doing that one thing doesn't really serve like the greater whole, you know, or the whole you know uh, party in your in your example, or the whole state uh, or the whole country. Maybe it helps one person feel a little bit better, or one or two people feel a little bit better, but actually might just actually um be worse overall you know for for the rest of the members of the uh, the the group or the um you know just the decision to happen so
1: sometimes you got to be brave about that too i mean yeah, i look yeah. this is a this is a bold statement but sometimes you have to buck your leadership you know sometimes a leader will tell you i want you to run xyz play here's why and sometimes you have to say I'm just not comfortable doing that, and I'm not gonna do it. And, and i I had to learn that the the hard way. I you know I was working with a leader that was, you know, very strongly opinionated about the way things should be done. And you know i I applaud the the you know, whatever it takes attitude, but there was a play that I ran that was too aggressive for me. i I knew better. I wouldn't normally have done it of my own fruition. And I did it anyways. I I was newer, you know, at the org and I, you know, I'm like, you know what, I I'm going to be humble here and I'm just going to like be the team player. And I did it and it didn't help. It didn't do anything. There was no net plus. All it did was actually change my relationship with the buyer. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. here, here I am probably six months deeper into that opportunity and i'm actually i'm actually co-selling a deal with with a team member of mine and that person has a closer relationship with the champion and i with without a doubt 100% can attribute it to some of these early types of, of conversations that i had that were uncharacteristic to me mm-hmm. so it, whether you're you're new you're seasoned wherever you are in your role like if you're going to be authentic if you're going to be a human don't waver for anyone under any circumstance and, and just be you through it all. It will always work out.
0: Yeah. What is your, your favorite quote from Camille Clemens, Jack? Yeah, say it for everyone.
1: Be you. Everyone else has taken.
0: Love it. <laughs> I love it. Shout out uh, to her. Yeah, no, I mean, it's so true because you know, you yeah, had like your, when uh, you you are totally, it's totally in your right to say, Hey, uh, I completely see where you're coming from on that. I think, you know, your intentions behind that are genuine, like, you know, your, 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 your outcome of what you're trying to reach here in running this play is, is sincere. And I think I see where you're going with that. Um, you know, the, like for me, it's just, it doesn't feel like me. It's not my voice. And, and I, I completely respect you. Here's, here's what I'm, uh, you know here's what I might do instead. Maybe, you know, how can we come to a like a happy medium on this? Because like what you're asking me to do, like exactly to a T, um, you know, is 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 just not me. And, but you know, we're we're both driving towards the same outcome here. Right. Like we both want the same things. And like, you know, how to get that, here's here's my you know thoughts on, on where we we could go. And you know, uh, happy to bring in maybe some of, of what you're, you're talking about here. You know, what if we said it this way? You know, what if we did it that way? What if we did these things? Do you think, you know, the net plus still gets us to the same outcome and result? And if we still don't, then like that's a bigger thing, obviously. But like, you know, having your leadership understand like, hey, we're, we're both on the same team. We're both like wanting the same outcomes. But be, having enough, I mean, that's a tough conversation to have, but having enough like what you said there, people need to, to re, rewind and listen, like um, feel comfortable in, in what, you know, if something feels a little not like you, that's okay to say, hey, like, it doesn't feel like me, but I see what you're going for here. Here's how I might do it. And, you know, and and then you don't lose some of yourself. And in the end, again, you know, the net plus um actually works out to be a whole lot more <laughs> than you.
1: Than and you doing on the other end of that so. too, there's there's a very important lesson about like the relationship between you and a leader. So whether you're the leader or you're the individual contributor, because I've been both, after a moment where there's like a choice and you both have a different opinion on on the way to proceed, no matter how that goes, whether you were right or wrong, whether they were right or wrong, there's no keeping score. It, it's just like a marriage. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard about marriage is like, don't keep score and mm, because you you'll never mm, win. Mm. So let's say you decided to take a different path and you were right. Don't you dare ever bring that up? Yeah. Just use that to inform your decisions moving forward, especially as a leader. I think leaders like to do that more than individual contributors. Cause they like to say, see, like this works, do this. Well, you look, you, to your point about there's multiple ways to get to the same outcome, if I put in a destination in ways, I could take two different paths to get to the same place, but I can't predict the car accident. And if if I take the way that should have been quicker and there was a wreck and it took me 20 minutes longer, that doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Every deal is unique, like every day driving to wherever you're going. So you if you want to inform decisions over time, you need a lot of good representative data. How many times have I done the thing and it worked out positively versus it didn't. And there's just so many variables that that go into it. So don't make snap decisions about how you're going to go about things just because of one instance, you know, make sure you measure that over time. Yeah. Wow.
0: Jack, I, I could seriously keep you in your car all day. And just, <laughs> I think we could chat forever. Um, uh, I, I will say, like, uh, uh, to, to your to your marriage advice, um, a quote that I, I sometimes remind myself and my wife, um, I, I, I heard it, so anybody at Newlyweds, I'll give them this advice, is like, if you want to fill your marriage up in the loving cup, when you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, shut the F up. <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, it's a, a great it. little uh, rhyme but um I promised everyone uh, i I did ask I do ask all my guests like um you know this question at the end uh, about them as a human we're also unique and, and the first time I asked you this question uh you gave us a great story so I, I said like you know what's just something an event that could only or would only happen to Jack Wilson, and you gave us this crazy story about how when you were growing up, like for some people, it stumps for you. It's like, I, I know exactly. Um, you know, when, you know, you, you grew up with a single mom, and, you know, when you were in teen years, you, you actually found your birth father. And then this crazy story about how some of your friends uh, growing up, your, your, your birth father actually lived near you and you for, for so long. And you never knew you actually had friends that were, came out to be your relatives. And I loved how you, you called it. Not, you had a family, not reunion. You had a family union. Um, so, um, tell us Jack, I, I, you know, I was like, Oh no, like this is too good of a story. So uh, give us, um, you know, the five minute version, maybe Jack of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't know what you, learned what you kind of did in this. Cause I don't think people could believe it. Um, you know, and, and you told me more of the story, um, you know, when we saw each other last at the sales summit, but I thought I'd
1: leave people with that. <laughs> oh man. That's like a, that's like a whole like episode. I, I should yeah. probably yeah. be one of those people that like yeah. egoically writes a book about it, but yeah. 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 Like so long story short, you know, grew up with like all these rules around me, like. Hey, don't go to that house behind your grandmother. A witch lives there. That's what I like. And like, don't cross the street because it's a busy road. You'll get hit by a car. And then later on, I realized that like the, the scary person who lived behind my grandparents was actually like a different grandparent. The person across the street was an uncle. And all of these people around me were actually like family members that were like kind of like hidden from me because of this, you know, back then it was like still a little taboo, you know, children out a wedlock kind of thing. And so it, it was like the family was trying to like maintain some sort of modicum of respect, I suppose. But, you know, using the, the quote unquote modern internet at the time with my dial up AOL <laughs> doing some like research, I literally did sales. I got a list of people Prospects. with my father's name in a couple states that I knew he had lived in and I cold called them all. And man, if this isn't a lesson about, if this isn't a lesson about sales, I was literally down to the last name on the list and I didn't call it for like two years. And then when I finally got the guts, cause I don't know, like you're like, okay, what if it is him? What if it isn't? Like if it mm-hmm. isn't, I'm, I'm kind of like out of like, ways to find him here i'm kind of like out of info so that's like a crushing defeat and if it is him like i don't even know what the heck to do so it took me two years to get the guts up to call that last number and i, I remember when i did the person who picked up what was his wife at the time and all and she recognized like the area code and was like oh are you calling from like x and i was like oh man like this is it and the best part of that whole story is Like 10 minutes later, he wasn't in the house at the time. And he called back 10 minutes later. And this is still landline phones, like on the wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the phone was ringing. And as I'm running to answer it, my mom just yells from upstairs that it's for me. I'm like, oh, no. She answered that call from him calling me back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She knew exactly. I'm sure. I'm I'm surprised she didn't hang it up or like, you know, like, you know. You know, there's too much here. This is an episode onto itself, but I, I wanted people a glimpse into, you know um, I think it's a great kind of end to this conversation. Cause again, like you, um, you were patient. I mean, you realized like you, 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 you your intention was like to, to get to know someone and you kind of, you, you went through the process, it took you two years to, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy to call that number. Um, call it took a while. Um but you know, in the end, you know you kind of like you you didn't make it about like you um, again, like what you wanted and like everything you you just you 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 kind of like started this this whole thing and this relationship with just you know kind of being curious and kind of asking questions and you know, kind of getting at what people what other people were wanting. and through the you know this whole thing, I think it was probably really hard. Um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have done that. And I'm sure really hard to like kind of start the relationship, but again, making it about the other person and understanding that they're humans. They, like you said, they, there was reasons why they did what they did. You didn't have any anger. You know, you probably had a lot of emotions to it, but you, in the end, um, you know, found a way to, uh, to like understand what they wanted. Um, but then on also being transparent about what you wanted and, and finding a way to mutually uh, agree together on on a path forward. So, I, I yeah, just, and I'll send
1: you a great picture too. Yeah. Um my, you know, I I do have a great relationship with my dad today. He lives, you know, in Wisconsin. He travels a lot, so I don't get to see him a ton, but we do see each other, we do speak, and he actually came to the house to see our first son. And I'll send you a picture because the the genetics in his family are very strong. So, he has two he had two sons and we're half brothers, but we all look almost identical. So there's a picture of my dad, me and my first son, Jackson. And like, you could just see the, the, the close family resemblance. And it's just a, a really cool pick. So I'll, I'll send it to you so you can share.
0: Awesome. I'll put it in the notes. Um, Jack, where, where can people kind of like, again, uh, like find more about you and, and uh, you know, kind of learn more about like the story and all the cool stuff that's happening.
1: Uh, they they can't hiding under a rock yes. until my paternity <laughs> leave is over. All right, that's good.
0: Don't <laughs> no LinkedIn Jack is the best now.
1: place. Awesome. No, no, LinkedIn is the best place. I I genuinely respond to everyone that doesn't pitch, slap me, or use automation, and even to most of those people too. Um, so definitely reach out and connect. Um, you know, Alex, you know, I'm my my passion is is helping people find their way and find their success. So always willing to, to be there and have a conversation.
0: Awesome! Thanks so much uh, for the convo, Jack. I Can't wait to uh, see what new things uh, are, you're going to be patient about next, and uh, I'm sure learn from in these next few months with the with the little one. So thanks so much for for joining
1: from the from the car studio. Thanks for having me again. I feel like special. <laughs> <laughs> you you certainly are. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jack. Thanks, Miss.
0: Hey, gang. All right. Wow, you made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly, tell me your thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes, Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right. See you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Human.